those powerful moments and we need to take advantage of them in a sense of, God, I'm, I hear you. God, I believe what it is to be in your presence and the power of being in his presence. Man, I'm so grateful that you're here this morning. I thank the Lord for you. I pray for you. I've been praying for you throughout the week that we would just be, be a, a congregation and be an assembly that is on target. Man, we need to be on target and we need to be on purpose. And I'm praying that specifically because that's where we're at today in Philippians. We're going through this letter that Paul from prison writes to the church at Philippi. These are his favorite people. He loves these people. Um, man, he just, he, 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 he has this mature church that he has raised up in Philippi in the midst of persecution. It was a healthy, growing community of believers. Uh, it was a strong church. And like Paul loved these people. These are the people who loved Paul. They favored Paul. They encouraged Paul. They sent financial blessing to Paul. When no one else would, they were there for Paul. Like He was like, you have my back. When no one else did, you have my back. Like Paul loved these people. He loved these people. And this was a mature church. And he just was encouraging them to stay the course of that maturity, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel, so when I come and see you or that I would hear that you are unified in one purpose, that you are unified in one purpose. And that's what this message is today, that if Jesus, please hear me, man, here's the deal, here's the message, that if Jesus Christ is the center of your attention as an individual, the church, Believer's Chapel is made up of about a thousand individuals. This is just people. We were including pregnant women in that. It's amazing. We've got lots of pregnant women. You count as two in this church. It's incredible. I believe life in the womb. Hallelujah. Our baby room is packed. Anyone wants to help hold a baby? The room is yours. Incredible. So, but like, no, we, what happens like if we're just a church, not because we have Believer's Chapel on our sign, but we're a group of people that are like-minded that have to be unified in our attitude and unified, watch this, in our purpose. And could you imagine what would take place if Jesus Christ is the center of our attention on Monday and Tuesday, center of our attention in our marriage, in our parenting, and in our, in our looking up to parents as brothers and sisters, that he is center of attention in your finances, he is center of attention in your employment, and then we come together as the church and we look to a group of people that Christ is the center of our attention and what we think and what we say and what we do as a husband and wife, as a teenager, as a college student, as a young individual, as someone who is flying solo and single, like Jesus Christ is the center of my attention in my life, in my Monday through Sunday. And we gather together on church and we are the body of BC and Christ remains the center of attention as a church. Could you imagine if we are on one purpose, what can be accomplished when you are unified? This is the Philippian letter. All of this equals this supernatural joy that we are to carry with us 24-7, 365. This supernatural joy is different from your happiness. Happiness comes from your happenings. And I love good happenings. I love great days. I enjoy a good season. I enjoy when things go right at home. Things go right with your kids. Things go right. And finally, I love happenings. Like good happenings bring a good, happy spirit. That is different from a supernatural joy, right? Your happenings come because you're in, uh, your happiness comes because you're in a good happening season. Your supernatural, your supernatural joy comes because you understand that we have a good God. My happiness comes from my good happenings. My supernatural joy comes because of my good God. My happenings change. My God does not. And when we get this, you can understand 
the difference between happiness and joy. Even in a difficult season, there can be that supernatural joy and that supernatural peace. When we get to chapter four, we're going to be looking at a supernatural peace. But at the end of this series, when we are finished with Philippians, I want you something in your spirit to rise up to say, man, I am filled with the supernatural joy. I understand what Paul was writing. I understand what it is. The difference between my happenings makes me happy compared to my good God makes me full of joy. Like there's that difference to that. And and our, our clutch verse is Romans 15, 13. If you could put that up, please. I want to hit this every week. I want to go over this so that you memorize this, so you have this, so you understand what this means. Now may the God of hope, this is supernatural, from the God of hope may fill you. That that means to overflow. That means to be complete. That means to lack not. Like I want the God of hope to fill me where I don't lack two things. What is it? Joy and peace. And when you are filled and you don't lack joy that don't come from your circumstance, they come from God because God is a good God. And when I'm saying that God is a good God, there is this full, there is this complete. It means I will not lack joy, supernatural, and peace, supernatural. Watch this in believing so that you will abound, that you will overflow with what? In hope. If I am walking in this supernatural joy and I'm functioning from a supernatural peace, I'm depending on God for all things and there is a peace with that and I get that supernatural peace, understand that supernatural joy and if I am believing, then there is this abounding, this overflowing of this hope, this confident expectation. I come with an expectation before God and what? In the power of the Holy Spirit. It comes from God by the power of his spirit that I can have a supernatural joy and a supernatural peace and I can overflow with this confidence. I can overflow with courage. I can overflow with boldness. I can overflow with this hope, this confident expectation of my joy and my peace and that comes through the power of the Holy Spirit. We will hit this verse again and again and I want by the end of this series, this is my hope as we get this from this amazing letter to Philippi, the man, I am filled with joy and I have this supernatural peace, not that comes from the world, but it comes from God by the power of the Holy Spirit that reigns and dwells within me. Church, we have to understand this today, that God by his spirit, if you are a born again believer in Jesus Christ, his Holy Spirit reigns and dwells within you. It's amazing. You, you try to think on that. The word remain, it means to, to pitch a tent and stay. God, by his spirit, dwells within my spirit, like he's here, present with me. And in that, I have opportunity of supernatural joy and peace, and I can overflow with hope. We need a serious dose of hope today for so many, and I love this. So come on, let's look at this, Philippians 1. Philippians 1, we're going to try to get through Philippians 1, verse 20, all the way through chapter 2, verse 4. We are a little bit behind, but that was a God moment and had to have it. Um, Amazing. Let me just read chapter 2, verse 4, and it says this. Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also the interest of others. I just wanted to read it to say that we got to that point. So now we can cruise, okay? Amen. Um, Here we go. Come on. 
Again, I want you to see this, and this whole point to Paul is personally how he realizes and understands Jesus has to be the center of my attention. And then you bring it into the church that we are unified because we are of the same attitude, we are of the same spirit, and we have to understand that Jesus has to be the center of our attention. What happens, church, truly, if you make Jesus the center of attention in your marriage, in your parenting, in your finances, in your workplace, in what you think, in what you say, in what you do, things that I think on, Jesus, things that I speak, Jesus, my hands and feet, the things that I put myself to in my doing, Jesus, the center of my attention. Are you walking on water in this? No. Is he always center of attention? Hopefully he is, but there's times that he's not, and we all understand that. But when we dial into the unity of the church and we see that we are intent on one purpose, and today we see what that purpose is, and Paul says, I want you to be unified. But when in individuals have Christ as a center of attention and we come together and we make up the church, then the church has Christ as a center of attention. Come on, chapter one, verse 20 says this, according to my earnest expectation and hope that I will not be put to shame in anything, but that with all boldness, Christ will even now as always, highlight that, even now as always, underline that, even now as always be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. Again, watch this. According to my earnest expectation and hope, that I will not be put to shame in anything, but that with all boldness, here's his confidence, here's his boldness, here, here's his spirit saying, no matter what's taking place, I am going to walk in courage and in boldness. If God be for me, who can be against me? Like this is, this is where Paul is. That with all boldness, with all courage, Christ will even now as always, like th that is Jesus is in the center of my attention. Yesterday is my hope. Today, right here, right now, Jesus, I need you in the center of my attention and our corporate worship as we get into the word. When I leave this place today, I want you now today to be the center of my attention. And God, it is my goal and it is my hope that tomorrow you are the center of my attention. Like, like this is what he's talking about. Even now as always, that's yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And then we get to say the same thing tomorrow. Uh, yesterday, I hope that you were the center of my attention. And today I'm going to make you the center of my attention. And it is my goal that tomorrow you will be the center of my attention. Even now as always, be exalted. Jesus Christ, I want you to be exalted. I want you to be honored and magnified. That's what exalted means. To be lifted high in a place of being honored and being magnified. Do we get that? Jesus, I want you honored and magnified in my marriage. What happens when you keep Jesus first? We're going to do a marriage series in January. What happens, this is not the marriage series, but what happens when you were like, Jesus, I want you to be the center of my attention in my marriage. Me as a husband, my call, according to Ephesians 5.25, is to love Renee as Christ loved the church. Sean, in the same way that I have loved the church, which means you, you are commanded to love Renee. At what point do I get a pass in that? If I am truly seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness and believing all these things will be added unto me, if I truly, truly am saying, Jesus, I need you to be the center of my attention even now, as always, like I need you to be first and foremost of my life. Like the reality is this church, I am called to love Renee as Christ loved the church, regardless if Renee is doing her part. She does her part, but here's an example. Like if Renee is not 
respecting me as she does unto the Lord because marriage circle is love and respect. Well, I'll love you when you respect me. Well, I'll respect you when you love me. Isn't that just crazy? Because it may not work that way. No, I'm going to love you because I want Christ the center of my attention. Regardless of your respect to me, I am going to love you because I married you and this is what marriage is. And because of that, I am seeking first what Christ is. At what point does Sean get out of that command to love Renee as Christ loved the church because she's not doing her part? I don't because Christ is my priority. If I'm not doing my part of loving her, that's because I love the church. She will still walk in that honoring and respecting as unto the Lord. Why? Because Christ is way more important than me. And her honoring Christ and putting Christ as a priority, she's going to do her part because she does it as unto the Lord and not as unto Sean. I do it as unto the Lord and not as unto Renee. And listen, when you function in Jesus first, ah, it changes everything. It changes everything. And this is... Look at this. You want to talk about a mindset that is unstoppable? A mindset that cannot be stopped. And all of the opposition. My man is in prison. He's writing this from jail. He cannot be stopped when he has this mindset. Watch this. Listen, I am saying even now as always that Christ center of my attention. He would be honored in everything I do. He'd be magnified in everything I do. He would be lifted high in everything I do. That Jesus is honored as a center of my attention, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, to die is gain. Okay, what? Well, to me, to live is for Christ, but to die is gain. Like if I live, I live for Christ. If I die, I gain Christ. Like I gain everything in death, but if I am to live on in the flesh, this will mean fruitful labor for me, and I do not know which to choose. I want you to hear this. But I am hard-pressed from both directions, having the desire to depart and be with Christ, for that is very much better. Yet to remain on in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for the progress and joy. Here's joy. Joy and rejoice mentioned 16 times in, in, the, in this book. Progress and joy in the flesh. So here he's saying this. He says, listen, if I here in prison, I, I would love to live but I also understand what it means to die. Like if I die in prison, I'm going to be fine because I'm going home. But if I, if I live on, if I get out of here, it's better for you because I can continue teaching and preaching. Like this is where Paul is. What a mindset. If I live, listen, when you look in Romans 14, verse three, if I live, I live for him. If I die, I die for him. For whether I live or I die, I'm in him. Church, you can't beat that. Like you, you can't beat a mindset that is so unstoppable. If I breathe, it's for him. If I stop breathing, I'm in his presence. And this is like where Paul is in this unstoppable mindset of being all in for Jesus in every decision that he's making. What happens if Jesus is the center of your attention in decision making? God, I'm making a decision. And Jesus, I need you in the center of this decision. 
I'm not making this based off of self. Jesus, I need to make this as you being the center of my attention. Maybe you're in high school. Maybe you're in college and you're making serious decisions. Christ, I need to bring you into this equation where you would have me be, what you would have me do. Jesus, I want you to be the center of my attention in my decision making for my future. What have you called me to? I know that you have a plan and purpose for me. I know that you handcrafted me and put me together with the desires that are in my heart. What is it that I want to do in your name? But Jesus, I need you in the center of my attention. Whether I live, I'm yours. If I die, I'm yours. Whether I live or die, I'm yours. Church, that is an unstoppable mindset. That can't be broken in Paul. And church, I want you to see this because I want you to see what he says. This is so important. Again, back to verse 20. Even now, as always, be exalted in my body. My body lives on if I have breath in my body. It's better for you people if I do because I can still be fruitful for you. But if my body dies, then it's great gain for me. Because I'll get to go home and be with the Lord. Please turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 with me, please. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I want you to see this. Verse, chapter 5, verse 6. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 6. Therefore, being always of good courage. Highlight good courage. Therefore, always of being of good courage, that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. At home in the body, that's here, our physical body, we're absent from the Lord. That's not the body of the church. That's, our, that's talking about this, you know, the physical body, hands, hips, lips, and fingertips, right? This is who we are. Physical body, absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith and not by sight. For we are of good courage. This is the second time. Put a line from the first good courage. This is the second good courage. For we are of good courage. That's courageous. That's building courage. That's that boldness. For we're of good courage. We, we should see when it says courage, it should do something to our spirit. Like courage should be breathed into our soul. For we are of good courage. That's being courageous. That's being bold. For we're of good courage. I say, I would, I would prefer rather to be absent from the body and to be home with the Lord. Therefore, we also have as our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be what? Pleasing to the Lord. Why? Because the Lord has to be the center of our attention. And I love this. Like, there's so much to this. There's a, there's a false teaching, a lie that speaks of soul sleep. If you've heard of that, if you bought into that, that is false teaching. That is a lie. He says very, very clearly here in Philippians. He says it here in Colossians, in Galatians. I mean, I'm sorry, Second uh, Corinthians. He says it very clearly. If I could stay here, it would be benefit to you. But man, I'd love to be absent from this physical body, hips, lips, and fingertips, because I get to be in the very presence of Him when I'm here in the body. I'm I'm, I'm absent from home. We still have the Holy Spirit. But when I die, man, I am home. I am present with the Lord instantaneously. If you know Christ Jesus and you die in that moment, you're in his presence. Bible promise, Bible guarantee. That's just something on theology, but I'm not going to get into that. So sleep is a lie. Don't buy into it according to the scripture. Please hear that, right? So, so you've got him saying, hey, according to my body, live or die, it has to be pleasing to him. And the way that I die, I want it to be pleasing to him. Church, that's that's amazing, right? Come on, turn with me 1 Corinthians chapter 5, please. Again, having to do with our bodies. And I know that this is, that we, we are adults, and I know that even being married and being older adults, uh, this may not be something that, that maybe you don't deal with on such a level, 
right? But young people, teenagers, college students, and, and I think everyone deals with it a little bit. But when you get older and you're married, I don't think that immorality is such a struggle. Still a struggle. People still fail. But, but I'm thinking when you're a teenager and when you're a college student, like that immorality, that draw to, to, to pornography, that draw to sexual immorality, that draw to sex before marriage, like if you're married and you're having good sex, the Bible in 1 Corinthians 7 says that draw shouldn't be there so much. Like, again, this is scripture. But what is it that when he says, even in my body, I want it to be pleasing to the Lord. And I don't want you to miss this. I want you to hear this. 1 Corinthians 5, I want you to get it. I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I want you to see this. 618, it simply says this, flee immorality for every sin. The word flee, it means to run away from. It means to stop. It means to avoid. It means to go the other direction. Flee immorality and every other sin that a man commits is outside the body. But the immoral man sins against his own body. It's talking about flesh, talking about your body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? And this, this is huge to where we're going and closing this, this, this message out. The power of the Holy Spirit, it unifies us. It draws us together. But we have to understand every single person that is a born-again believer has walked in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, that that Spirit of God dwells within you so much so that don't you know? Like, I love the question here. Paul is writing this question. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Do you not know that the Holy Spirit dwells, remains within you? Here, every one of us carry the Holy Spirit, but we need to know that so it matters what you do with your body. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God and that you are not your own, but you have been bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Jesus Christ, you have to be the center of my attention because your spirit dwells. I am a carrier of your spirit. And God, I realize that I am not my own. Church, what happens when this clicks today? What happens when this sinks into your spirit today? I am not my own. No, I serve Jesus Christ. He is the center of my attention. This isn't about Sean. Jesus is the center of my attention, not Sean. Jesus is the center of my attention, not myself. For, for it, isn't, it isn't about me. Church, it's not about you. What happens when you realize, no, wait a minute, um, I am not my own, for I have been bought with a price. Jesus Christ, we, we cover this in communion uh, as we go through communion, not to take advantage of what has been done for you, that you have been bought. The word is redemption. I am redeemed. That means bought back. That means price paid, for you are not your own. For a price has been paid for you through the beautiful, amazing, incredible work of the cross. Jesus Christ died on the cross, paid that price for you and I. So you and I can joyfully say, man, this isn't about me. It is no longer I. Uh, it, it, it's, it, it's, not, it's not, you know, you are, I'm not my own. For I have been bought with that, that deep, deep price of Christ on the cross. And because of all of that, Jesus, you're the center of my attention. Church, it's really not that complicated, right? It's not that complicated. Jesus did all of that for me. To pay the price for me. To buy me back. I owe you everything. Jesus, I'm going to put you in the center of my attention. And I realize even from here going forward that things need to change. 
things need to change in my morality. Things need to change if I'm sleeping around as a young man or young woman that needs to be put, put an end to that and wait for marriage. If there's pornography involved, that needs to be put away forever. And, and we need to walk in this understanding of I am not my own. Now I've been purchased by the precious blood of Christ. And my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, God reigns within me. And I need, to, I need to put Jesus in the center of everything I think and everything I say and everything I do. I need to put Jesus back in the middle of my marriage, in the center of my marriage. I want to put Jesus back into my parenting. Church, bring your kids to functions of church. Everything we do in this church is Bible-based, is gospel-based. Bring your kids to church and church functions. Be a part of the, be a parent that, that raises their kids in prayer. Let them see Christ in you in the mornings when you're praying. Let them see Christ in you in the mornings when you're praying yourself and having your own time of devotions. And then you begin to pray over them and lay hands on them. Let them see Christ in you Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. And gang, we're going to church on Sunday. This is what we do on Sunday. This is what we do on Wednesday, this is what we do. And we go through the time slots that we have for ministry here in this church. <clears throat> no, we're going to have Jesus in the center of our home. Jesus is going to be the center of our finances. If your 14, 15, 16-year-olds are getting jobs, which they should, go get them a job. Like that helps at that age. Immediately, right off the bat, we're going we're gonna to start tithing them, man. This is what we're doing, son. This is what we're doing, daughter, is when you're making money, always, always God first financially. Always. And you teach them at a young age, God will bless that. Because you taught them, no, Jesus is the center of our finances. Jesus is the center of family. Jesus is the center of my workplace. Jesus is the center of my decisions and what I'm doing. Come on, back to Philippians 1. All right, I want to get through this here. Come on, come on, here we go, here we go. And, and look, at, look at what Paul says. So he's like, listen, just so you know, like, uh, I would love to stick around and I'd love to be able to stick around for, for more fruitful labor for you. It's good for you if I'm here. That's what Paul is saying. Not in a bragging way, not in an arrogance way, in a way of the apostle and the leader of that church as he planted that church. He's like, it's good. But oh, I'd love to go home and be in the presence of the Lord. I'd love that. That would be great gain for me. So he says, if I'm able to stay, then he gets into the goods. He says, only conduct yourself. Look at verse 27 in Philippians 1. Only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. Only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. So that whether I come and see you or remain absent, I will hear of you that you are. Now, here we go. Watch this. I want you to see this. Here's Paul writing this from prison to a people that he loves, to a people that he has high respect for, to a very mature church. And he's like, listen, I would love to get out of here and come see you for myself. But if that doesn't happen, I would love to be able to hear. I would love for people to be talking about you that this is what they're saying. This is the conversations. This is what I'm hearing. This is the word that's being brought back to me. And he speaks to their unity. He speaks to them doing things together. This is what Paul says. When I get out of here, I want to see this, man. This is what I want to come to Philippi, to the church. And I would love to see the group of people doing this. What does he say? This is what he says, right? I would love to see, or if I can't come, I want to hear. Church, you know what I love? 
I love when I hear about people from this church out in the community. I love being at a grocery store. I love being grabbing my coffee. I love being doing what I'm doing. And someone says, do you know that someone from your church did this? Do you realize what's happening outside the walls of Believer's Chapel? Do you understand? And I love to hear that the people of BC are not just here on Sunday, but you get it throughout the week that God is doing something in and through you wherever you're at. Why? Because Christ is the center of your attention. I love to hear that. I love to hear that. This is where Paul is. If I can't come see it, this is the report I want to hear about. And when you hear about it, that means someone's talking about it. We want people in our community talking about believers. You'll have the naysayers. You'll have the boohooers. I could give two flips about those who are critical of BC. I don't care. I do love when I hear great reports, I do love when people are talking about Believer's Chapel and what Love Thy Neighbor is doing on being in this community and what's happening through BC Blessings, what's happening through our different ministries, what's happening through prayer, what God is doing uh, on a, 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 a weekly basis in people's lives that don't even come to this church because of people like you here at this church. Church, that's amazing. This is where Paul is. This is what he wants to hear if he can't see it. Look at what he says. And I will hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit and of one mind. This speaks to unity. That you are standing firm, that you are established in one spirit. That's not the Holy Spirit here. He speaks of the Holy Spirit in a minute, but he speaks of your spirit. That's your attitude. Church, we need to be of the same spirit, the same attitude. We have, we have got to be like-minded. We've got to be established and standing firm that we know that the Spirit of God reigns and dwells in each one of us as born-again believers. God's Holy Spirit reigns and dwells with us with all power and with all might. And in that, we have the same attitude. And in that, we have the same mindset. And I love this, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Like there is a unity in this that Paul is saying, this is what I want you to do. Conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel. And then with the same attitude, with the same spirit, with the same mind, being like-minded, I want you to stand firm in that and I want you to strive together for the faith of the gospel. This is what I want to see. There's a unity in that. Right? And, and I love where you, if you dive into what standing, uh, what striving together means, if you dive into what striving together, it's a fight word. It's an athletic term of athletes who gather together for combat. It's like, listen, your version may even say those who fight side by side. This is what striving together. Paul's like, listen, I need you striving side by side. I need you in combat side by side. I need you fighting together with the same attitude and the same mind. Like, I love this picture of men and women, teenagers, college students, young adults, singles, whatever season of life that anyone in this church is in, is we are side by side striving in combat fighting for the gospel, fighting with the same attitude, fighting with the same mind. And this is what Paul says. This is what I want to see. Come on.
want to look at chapter 2, verse 1. It says this, Therefore, if there is any encouragement of Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, there's the Holy Spirit there. If any affection and compassion, make my joy complete. Paul says, listen, when you are of the same attitude and you're of the same mind and you're striving together and you truly are side by side in a fight because of all that man let there be encouragement in Christ encouragement the word encouragement means to build courage church we should be encouraging we should be building we should be speaking life to people build courage in another how? Through Christ. Christ is the center of our attention. If there is any consolation of love, fellowship of the Spirit that's gathering together in the Holy Spirit, affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, unified in spirit, that's attitude, intent on one purpose. Church, I love, he says there is power in the unity of the church when Jesus Christ is the center of our personal attention and then Jesus Christ that overflows into the church that Jesus Christ is the center of the church's attention. He says this would make my joy full when either I come and see or I would hear that the church is unified and intent on one purpose. Again, when you read scripture, ask questions. What's the one purpose? Church, when you understand football, right? You, you, you understand that everybody, 11 people on the field when you're on offense can't be a quarterback. You can't, not everybody can be, that wouldn't work, right? Maybe you'd love to play the line. You're just like, no, I want to be in the middle, man. I want to be in that danger zone. Then I'm going to make it happen. If I win the line, then I win the game. Right, the line wins the game. It's not the quarterback, it's the line. The quarterback doesn't have any time to play. The line's not there. If you have the line, you win the game. Offense or defense. Vince Lombardi just said it so simple. They ask him, what is your game plan? Well, when I'm offense, I want to knock everybody over and I want to score. When I'm on defense, I want to just knock everybody over and get the ball back. That's football. It's a collision sport, right? Knock everybody over and do. Like, it's, like everybody can't be a lineman if they love the fight. Everybody can't be quarterback. Everybody can't be uh, a receiver. Everybody can't be a tailback or a fullback to run the football. Like, no, but the, the idea is everybody does their part, but they all have one purpose. Reach the goal line if you're on offense. But we do it together. We are striving together. We are fighting side by side. I can't be the quarterback. I can't be the lineman. I can't be the receiver. I can't be the running back. I can be the lineman. I can be a quarterback. I can be like when you go down and realize I can do this, but all of us do our part, but we all have one purpose. Get to the goal line. Get to the goal line. Church, when you see this amazing worship team that we have, I'll take them anywhere. Like you can't have everybody on the keyboard. There's no room. Dave's big enough, not in an insult, but Dave's, he's like a man. Like he takes up, like you can't have eight people trying to play the same keyboard. It doesn't work. You can't have, have eight, nine people standing around Brendan all trying to lead. The, it doesn't work. What does work? 
and you have the keyboard, and you have the bass guitar and the electric guitar, and you have Brendan is lead, you have the other voices, and when someone else is leading, they're all doing their part, they're all doing what they can do. What unifies them is they're all doing what? Singing the same song. But everyone is striving together, but one purpose. Could you imagine if they're all playing a different song? They wouldn't be here very long. Like it'd be like, okay, get your, what was that? Like Brennan's singing this and Olivia's singing another song and Tracy's over here bellowing out how great thou art. And you've got all the instruments are playing a song that they just, well, I just felt like I wanted to play this song in this moment. And everybody's playing a different song. We would be like, whoo, Brendan would lose his lid. It would be like, get that on film. It'd be one of those things like, did you get that? Tell me you got that on film. That was amazing. Why? Because... They're all playing some different tune, but what is so amazing in music is you've got all of these different instruments and all of these different voices and all of the different tones of voices, but they are unified in one thing. They are singing the same song. We as God's people have to be singing the same song and our purpose. So what is that purpose? Go back to Philippians chapter one, please. Just flip the page. Paul gives us that so clearly. Chapter 1, verse 5, it says this. In view of your participation in the gospel. In verse 7, it says this. And in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. In verse 12, he says this. In the greater progress of the gospel. Verse 16, he says this. In the defense of the gospel. In verse 27, he says this, worthy of the gospel. He also says, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Church, guess what the one purpose is of every single one of us who have Christ as the center of our attention and Jesus Christ is the center of attention of this church. What is it? The Paul is like, I want to hear about your one purpose. And that one purpose, church, is the gospel. That's the purpose. That's us together as a church, an assembly of people to say Jesus Christ is our Lord and he is our master and us being together, being unified in attitude, being unified in spirit, the Holy Spirit, being unified and being like-minded. All of us are different. All of us may have different roles. All of us may have different gifts, but our one purpose is everything comes together to sing the same song, which is the gospel. And when you understand that, that is what Paul is saying to the church in the beginning of this letter, that I want to come and hear that you are gospel-centered, that it is about Jesus, that Jesus is the center of your attention, that when you preach, it's Jesus. When you're in the community, it's Jesus. When you're in family, it's Jesus. When you're at work, it's Jesus. When it's finances, it's Jesus. You're in one-tenth of the gospel. Gospel means good news. It is this word, Old Testament and New Testament. It is the Bible that is the gospel and this is our foundation in everything that we do in this church. This is what Paul is saying to the unity of the church. We can all be different but our purpose has to be the same. Our purpose is the gospel when Jesus is truly the center of our attention. And it just simply says this, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, which simply means put yourself second. Come on, if we could stand to our feet, please.
Church, it's not about us. Believer's Chapel isn't about Sean Obergefell. Believer's Chapel is about Jesus. Believer's Chapel isn't about me. Believer's Chapel is about Jesus. What happens when you truly understand if I'm going to put Christ as the center of my attention, that means it can't be Sean getting the attention. It has to be Jesus. Come on, your heads bowed. Let me just ask you, man, where are you in this this morning? Truly, like, what has God spoke to you today? We're going to sing and we're going to close in a song. And I just want to ask you, man, where is it that you maybe need to refocus? Where is it that you need to, once again, put your attention back on Christ? Like, Jesus, are you the center of my attention in my marriage? Have I lived in that vicious circle? I will when you do. No, no, no. I will always because Jesus is my priority. Live there. I'm going to put Jesus in the center of my parenting. Things are going to change in our home where Jesus is going to be the center of my family, of of my wife, of my husband, of my children, of my son or my daughter. Jesus will now become the center of our attention. We will pray and we will dig into the word and they will see Jesus at the breakfast table. They will see Jesus at the dinner table. We will have time and devotions where we lay hands on and we pray for our children. They're going to see a difference, man. Jesus has not been the center of my attention. I can't be unified in this. Because it's been about me. Jesus is going to be the center of our finances. Jesus is going to be the center of the decisions that we need to make at whatever age. Put Christ in the center of your decisions. And the purpose of this church when we gather and when we work and when we serve and when we do, it will be the gospel. What has God spoke to you what needs to change what needs to change to put Christ back in the center come on as Emma sings man if anybody needs prayer for any reason man we'd love to pray with you